What should we drink to, sir? Well, um, down with Hitler. All the way down, sir. Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouthfuls podcast, a movie podcast with zero table manners. Each episode we'll be tucking into movies and the odd television show to chow down on some of the most iconic cinematic cuisine scenes in cinema history, as well as just about everything else we can get our grubby little hands on. If you've listened before, you know the drill. I'm Jordan, the bloke trying to be known as the film fella online, and as always, I'm joined by the UK's number one competitive eater of food. He eats food, alright, <laughs> fourth time now, it's food. It's the one and only, Bid Me's Food! <laughs> Yeah, and what do you mean grubby little hands? My, my hands are perfectly clean, actually. They are quite clean, to be fair, you know, COVID secure and stuff, you know. <laughs> we wash I got some, uh, some hand sanitizer outside the uh, the old HQ. <laughs> How are you doing this week? Great, I'm, I'm a little bit less full of beans than I was last week. I've noticed. That might be a source of, uh, of happiness to you, but um, yeah, um, I haven't eaten much today, so... Was, was last bit... week a bit of a, all of like a, a sugar rush, sugar coma kind of thing? You came out of it and can't remember what you said on the podcast or anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember a great It was just a big, yeah, I was, I was, I was seeing sound by the end of that thing. So I, I, yeah, I'm not sure how it went, but uh, it felt like it was good at the time. I think it was all right. I to say we discussed such a I, terrible I, film. I, I, as one of our guaranteed listeners, I, I listened to the podcast and it sounded <laughs> okay to me. So uh, yeah, if, if anyone wants to let us know otherwise, then don't. <laughs> uh, so so what film what film was that clip from what what are we what are we listening to uh, it was listening um, to what we're talking about this week even what am i talking about yeah yeah what, what film we're talking about um is uh it's it's inglorious bastards which i did not realize is was it 11 years old now yes i was actually going to mention this i was looking at the date 2009 is that right so it's 12 years old yeah 2009 it feels recent to me oh not recent but it obviously feels new it feels like a new film but it, yeah I mean, Tarantino movies do have a, a kind of a timeless quality anyway, so maybe that's a, a contributing factor. Possibly. I mean, yeah, it, you can kind of date... I mean, this one, obviously, because it's historically you can't date it, but like Pulp Fiction, for example, you know, is kind of set in that like, 90s sort of... Well, it is set in the 90s, <laughs> that 90s sort of era. It is set in the 90s. What am I on about? I'm, I'm losing the plot today. Um, but yeah, so you can date some stuff, but when he does all these historical like films that he's been doing more recently, it's, you know, it, they're almost timeless aren't they the the fun fact is that obviously or one fun fact should i say i was gonna say there better be more than one i look forward to these things every (laughs) week i was just gonna say just to lead us in obviously our first ever episode on on the show we did pulp fiction yeah um this is apparently his highest grossing film since pulp fiction i don't know if that's been surpassed at all this was just the information provided to me by imdb i can't Um, imagine it would have been surpassed but the, the only thing i thought maybe might rival it in terms of box office appeal would be kill bill but that was split into two parts so um, it's hard to gauge how many people... Well, that, that would be four as well, so it definitely oh, was it? didn't. But I'm just wondering if... Um, I don't think Hateful Eight did. No, that was terrible. I hate that movie. Yeah, I, yeah, I want the I didn't even fan. watch all of it, actually. I, I tuned... Anyway. Django, I'm not sure. And then the other one will have been um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, again, I don't <laughs> think... I liked that film, but I don't think it, it did as well box office-wise as it was a, some that was a bit. It was a bit of a laboured film, but I did like... Just towards the end, when it just gets ultra-violent, Brad Pitt loses his shit and starts uh, just beating people up. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that. Yeah, the the ending of that. Um, I mean, again, it's it's revisionist history. This film is all about revisionist. Uh, well, you know, Tarantino's version of revisionist history. Yeah. And as you mentioned, there, ultra violent. We'll we'll get into that in a second because uh, there is some theories about why all of Tarantino's films are the way that they are. Yeah. Um, we were talking off podcast, but we'll talk on podcast about it now. Should we, should we jump to the general chit-chat stuff? I was going to say, well, let's just remind people, we are going to talk about food. That's the reason <laughs> I'm here. But yeah, let's get into it. So yeah, general general inglorious chit-chat, how we'll call this section. <laughs> I w- can we, before we get started, can I ask you a, que- a question real quick? Do you know why it's the, the bastards is spelt with an e in this film? Oh, uh, do you? Because no, no, I, oh. I was my assumption. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my assumption was going to be that maybe it's part of the marketing they can't use the word bastard spelt properly, so they have to change it to e. But that's just a guess. Well, funnily you should say that. You love my little little facts, which uh, again, not the hardest things to find on the internet if you just type in <laughs> "inglorious bastards" facts. You're doing yourself a disservice here. Come on, <laughs> one of them was when asked about the misspelled title, writer and director Quentin Tarantino gave the following answer. This is 
quite funny. Here's the thing. I'm never going to explain that. You do an artistic flourish like that and to explain it will just take the piss out of it and invalidate the whole stroke in the first place. He's probably, they caught him on a bad day then. He, he doesn't really like the media that much, does he? No, he's not the biggest fan of doing interviews or explaining himself at the best of times. But uh, yeah, so no idea. Not not sure at all. Maybe a marketing thing. I think there was the Inglorious Bastards that was well, a film we'll, to, to cut to the quick, we'll never know, will we? So no, and he's never going to anyway. say. So, but there you go. You asked the question. I did. Is um I guess time on a tradition. Uh, as I say, this we're only eight episodes in. When we're when we're eighty, it'll definitely be a time on a tradition. I guess. Do you want to explain what this film's all about? Oh yeah. Let me just um for for, uh, for sound effects. Let's see if I can do this. Oh, Lovely. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, Inglorious Bastards is, as, a, as the film fellow rightly says, it's revisionist, right? So it paints an alternate picture of, of, of what happened during um, World War Two, And uh, it's essentially about um, a band of, uh, of, of folks called the Inglorious Bastards, assembled um, by Aldo Rain. Well, I don't know if he assembled them, but he's kind of the leader, played by Brad Pitt, right? Yep. And essentially, it's um, about them going undercover, deep cover, in, um, well, not so much undercover, just they're dressed as civilians in uh, Nazi-occupied France. And, um, yeah, they're trying to kill as many... It's kind of like a video game in that they're just trying to kill and scalp yeah. as many Nazis as possible over the course of about three hours. I, I think that was quite a good um, quite a good summary. Nice and concise. Yeah, um, yeah. You get, well, I was going to say you're getting very good at it, but you, you seem to be always quite good at it. I'm the waffler. Yeah. <laughs> you're, the, you're the guy that reels me back in. Stops me going off on tangents sometimes, and occasionally you just pop up with something like, I've got my own IMDb page as well, <laughs> something like that. It's like, all right, okay. So, you know, there is a tendency for us to both waffle, but it's a food podcast, and who doesn't like waffles? Yeah, yeah you got yeah. a point, that's a good one. <laughs> so, yeah, you mentioned Brad Pitt. Is there anyone else you want to mention? You, you're, you're quite, I mean, I oh, Lord. I, too, do I but... Do I get like a bonus for every uh, every actor? So we got uh, we got um, Brad Pitt, quite uh, quite well, it's Christoph Waltz, right? Um, yeah. Who uh, this was his first kind of breakout film in Hollywood, anyway. Yep. Um, and he's a, he's amazing in it. You got um, uh, Eli Roth. Oddly, I didn't even know he was an actor. I thought he just directed stuff. Yeah. Well, I was confused by this because I thought I'd seen him in stuff before, but then when I was doing the research, I've clearly like clocked his face from somewhere. But yeah, he's mainly a producer or a director. He did, like, he did that Hostel, right? Yes. Which is about probably the same levels of of uh, yeah, graphic gore. He's done, he's, yeah, a lot of his stuff seems to be in the background of like horror movies. Michael Fassbender, who, oh man, I <laughs> lo- you know what? I just, the best part of this film for me is, apart from Christopher Walt, yeah, apart from him, Michael Fassbender's accent is the most <laughs> posh British accent. I mean, it obviously goes into German, right? But I just love the way he talks as a, you know, a regular he English. He just rolls, <laughs> don't he? He just rolls. Well, Funnily you should say that before we go into any anything else. So one of the facts that I've got is not really a fact, but kind of is. So Fassbender's performance as Lieutenant Hillcox, or Archie Hillcox, is layered with irony. So Fassbender was born in Germany to German and Irish parents, if, if you didn't already know that, and was raised in Ireland. So now residing in London with fluency in German as his first language, Gaelic as his second, and English as his third, and a mastery of English accents and dialects because he's a really good established actor. He's then playing in this film an Englishman who goes undercover as a German who could speak <laughs> German fluently but has difficulty hiding his accent, which is just. He does, but you know what's incredible about that? Yeah. Is the fact that w- you can see that kind of coming because although he's speaking German impeccably, mm-hmm. right? I did German at GCSE, right? I can't speak a word. I could maybe yeah, tell you, like, yeah. I could do, Hello. I, I could do directions <laughs> in the street, like links or directs, yeah. um, left or right. But like the way he speaks German is is great. But he does it with kind of like this, this English accent almost. You know what I mean? He's yep. not giving it like the full meat of a of a of a German accent, right? And that's how he's f- found out in well, the movie. There's, there's the bit in there where he's. Um... The, the the German officer who um, I had to take his name down because again I, this is a guy I thought I'd seen in other stuff but apparently he's not in anything that I've seen August Deal who plays Major Hellstrom who's the guy that outs him in the bar yeah um, who's that bar scene is fantastic it, on a side note that scene is around twenty five minutes long in total it feels and- like this podcast has been twenty five minutes long already. <laughs> 11 actually (laughs) it's apparently 25 minutes long and it's the longest single scene in this in this movie and apparently a lot of people find it very 
difficult to follow, not because there's anything particularly hard about the scene. It's just the fact that all the rest of the scenes are very short, snappy, quick action scenes. And then there's one scene that's sort of, it takes you from about 40 minutes into the film to, to, no, I don't even know, an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. It takes you a good section to sort of like the final act of the film. It's a long scene. Yes. Yeah. Um, where I was going with that, though, is um, that Hellstrom's character basically turns around, doesn't he, to the other two, the, the German-born bastards. Um, and he's like, oh, Mr. Frankfurt and Mr. Is it Munich or something like that. And he's like, Mr. I, I don't know why or something like that. I just, the, the, the dialogue, again, because it's uh, we mentioned this on the Pulp Fiction episode, the dialogue in a Tarantino film is just another level. It's brilliant. It is amazing, yeah. It we, we, didn't, on it. we didn't really give any context to that scene at all, but um, <laughs> sorry for just diving in and rambling. We, we like the film, so. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, they're in a bar, basically, trying to get some information. Undercover. And, uh, These people are actually undercover. <laughs> yeah. English soldiers, right? And they're, they're, uh, they're posing as Germans. Yeah. Yeah, there's your context. I yeah. mean, if you haven't seen this film by now and you're listening to this particular episode of the podcast, then... Mrs. Beard had never seen it. I made her watch it. Like, well, I didn't make her watch it like at gunpoint or anything. <laughs> Guns pointed at her testicles, like in that scene, not that yeah, she has oh, testicles. Well, nice callback there. Yeah, it was <laughs> a bit interesting to say that she's got testicles. But... Uh, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, she she enjoyed it, which was a surprise to me. She normally has an attention span of about 90 minutes. <laughs> so it's double that. Well, I, um, I was planning to watch this. I normally watch these. We pick a film quite late on a weekend, and then we try and cram it in before I was recording. That's usually on a Tuesday. Slowly giving people information, they'll, they'll track us down. You know that guy that was drilling through the wall last oh, week? No, I hope nobody <laughs> finds where this is. It's like the Pat Cave. <laughs> um, I, I mentioned it to my partner, Abby, and she she turned around and went, oh, yeah, yeah, let's stick it on. It was like five o'clock in the afternoon or half five after work, and she, she wanted to watch. She loves the film. so But then she sort of fizzled out in it and <sighs> sighed. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is actually what was mentioned there about different languages spoken in this film so one of my other facts and my easily found facts is that roughly only 30 percent of this film is spoken in english mm. um, the language which dominates the film is either french or german with a little italian very yeah. tiny italian at the end it's hilarious <laughs> wait wait see if i can do it arrivederci that's, that's Brad Pitt <laughs> just, doing it <laughs> so bad. yeah just for, for context for some reason if you we're not spoiling the film. It's been out a long time. Go watch it. But um, Brad Pitt's character has got this very southern... It's from like the Rockies, isn't he? He mentions that he's, he's travelled down from the Rockies. Part, he says that he's part Apache, right? So yeah. he's, he's part Native American. Yeah, and he, he basically is trying to pretend to be an Italian. And yeah, it just it's got like the most <laughs> southern drawl to it. The funny part about that is that he says he's the best at doing an Italian accent. Yeah. And the other two guys are worse, but they're actually... Um, I mean, they're still bad. I don't know if it's accents or just being able to speak the lingo, like the depreciating knowledge of Italian. It's, it's funny, just... it's, 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 it's two, two polar opposites. Like you, on the one hand, you've got Brad Pitt who doesn't try and he's just an American saying an Italian <laughs> word, right? And then you've got the other guys who are really like trying on it. It's like the stereotype. They're like, uh, what, what's the guy called? Do you, do you remember his character's name? When, and they're saying it in the ballroom or whatever, in the cinema, sorry. Uh, no, I can't. I didn't, but he's, I didn't. He's giving it like the A hey, O, oh, and that Christoph Waltz. He knows, right, that they're uh, oh, that, yeah, they're, they're yeah, fake. Yeah. And he says, "Come on, let me hear the music of the Italian accent." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to add to all those accents. So yeah, this is um, a, if you haven't guessed already from any films that you've ever seen in your entire life from the Western Hemisphere, is it highly unusual for a Hollywood production mm. to have um, that level of subtitles? And in some cases, I did like it. We're just talking general stuff here, so. Um, We'll get to the one food of, in a second. Of, yeah, we'll get to get to the food scene, which is a very iconic food scene that I'm looking forward to talking about. But the scene with Daniel Brühl uh, playing uh, Frederick Zoller when um, yeah, he yeah. notices uh, Shosanna or Emmanuel, depending on what name you want to go with. Shoshana. Yeah, um, she sat in the bar, um, just minding her own business, and he's obviously infatuated with her and doesn't understand why she doesn't like seem to acknowledge him at all. When he starts talking in German, as his reference, this is how good I think Tarantino is, and I don't know how many people pick up on it or not, but at the very beginning of the film, when she's under the floorboards, she doesn't know English, so the whole family doesn't know that um, Christoph Waltz, uh, Hans Lander, is above them planning to shoot them all, basically. Yeah. She can only speak French. She yeah. doesn't know any German. 
So when he starts talking to his fans in German, the subtitles disappear because you have subtitles in that scene for when they're speaking French to each mm. other. I just, yeah, I, th- this is the, the, the sort of like the movie obsessive part of me that's just like those little things that I don't, I don't know how many people notice. I'm sure a lots of people do. Yeah, but it's a good I just loved though. it. I thought it was a really, really clever, and it also links back to that that first scene where subtitles disappear and reappear depending on what people can understand. When yeah. it makes you as the audience member, if you're not fluent in all these languages, as confused yeah. as the character is. Um, yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Um, is there all else that you want to talk about? I mean, Daniel Brule, he was in Burn uh, last no, episode. I feel like every this kind of makes us look ultra professional, and I feel like from every previous week there has been a link to the following week. Yeah, but, but it's just. Coincidence? You say that like it's coincidence, but maybe, maybe, maybe I did plan it slightly. Should I should I've just said that it wasn't coincidence? <laughs> it, yeah, it was it's a well-oiled machine down here, like the Mac. Um, things going on. It usually, yeah. it usually derives from we do one one episode. I mean, last episode, um, obviously we got uh, chosen for us, but then after that, we normally. You know, we, we disappear for a bit. We don't talk for about three days. And I just pop up in his, his messages just going, ah, so what film are we doing? And it's literally like the day before. Slides um, into my DMs. Yeah. But um, I, th- to be fair, actually... the reason I did this was the, the Daniel Brule link. Um, he's <laughs> great in this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I, I was a, a flashback to, you know, Conor McGregor. <laughs> there was no check. Your wife's in me DMs. It's red panty night. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Daniel Bro is great in this and it shows his range to come back to the uh, professional stuff uh, because in the previous week we talked about Burnt where he's uh, a supporting character and he, he's a very different character. In this he, he plays a, a dude that's full of his own self-importance, a guy, um, to give you a little bit of context, um, called Freddy Zola. It was a, a fiction, I'm assuming it's fictional, but it's probably based upon some, it's kind of like an enemy at the gates thing. He's like yeah. a, a, a sharpshooter and he killed like, what, 150 Germans by himself in a in a, in a clock tower. Uh, uh, British, Ameri- and Americans, you mean? Oh yeah, sorry, Amer- so. <laughs> Americans. Yeah, allied forces yeah. from a clock tower. Um, and so they're making a movie about his life. Um, and because of that, he has like a sense of self-importance uh, because everyone recognized him. And I actually did make a little mental note. I thought, you know what, when Freddy Zola's in that bar and everyone's like, let me get a picture with you. Well, they don't because photographs don't exist. Oh, they do, but in primitive form. But, you know, everyone wants to talk to him. I thought, you know what, it's a little bit like when I got... No, I'm joking. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's recognised by uh, quite a lot of people in that little bar in the, in the first scene or whatever it is, restaurant, cafe. Well, it just, just tees him up, doesn't it? But obviously she despises him because he's, he's a Nazi, like plain and simple because of what happened to her family beforehand and stuff. The only bit that you do kind of... It's, it's difficult because you don't want to say you feel sorry for any Nazi, but the only bit is obviously when he's watching his um, his film back that Goebbels obviously made. It's called uh, like a Nation's Pride, which is obviously like a propaganda that. film, obviously yeah, yeah. about him. He stars himself um, doing it as well. Um, which sidebar as well, Eli Roth and his brother asked Quinton if they could direct that film within the film, oh. um, and his brother only does like a few directorial things so it right. was kind of like a big deal for his his brother right. and he was like yeah yeah sure you know do whatever the hell you want basically um and they did it and they said that it was so good that it went from one day's worth of shooting with daniel brule to like three days worth of shooting so there's like a full mini five minute film of daniel brule being this like but german sniper. war hero sniper guy but it was purposely filmed so that it wasn't sequential and you wouldn't be able to watch it. Is it like the way that you see it in the film is the way that it was filmed for right. the, so none of it really makes any sense, but there is five minutes of like solid. I mean, really, how, how much of a movie could they make out of a guy shooting people from a, a, a crow's nest? Yeah, I mean, it's that's just Call of Duty, right? Basically, <laughs> I mean, come on. But, um, do pretty well these days, go, to be go, fair, won't it? Go, yeah, probably. Go, they probably get like seven sequels out of it. But yeah, Goebbels loves it. Loves it. And, and yeah, and the the sympathetic thing that I was sort of getting at is that Brule doesn't his character sort of like oh, squirming yeah, yeah. during every of scene where he shoots people because clearly <laughs> clearly clearly he likes the fame and everything that's come from it and he's done his duty and like all that kind of stuff but it does kind of paint him slightly sympathetic at the end and obviously he goes to go see his his girl in his head doesn't he he thinks he's going to go see this woman that yeah, yeah. you know she let him have the thing there you kind of use i get what you're saying because you kind of you get the feeling that he's seen all this film of himself because he plays himself in the film yeah which by the way would never happen no um 
But like, yeah, I think the gravity of you seeing all these dead bodies, it's like a, a flipping uh, Rambo movie. There's so many yeah. dead bodies. And I think the gravity of it hits him and you think, oh, I mean, this, he's turning a corner here. Then he goes up to see uh, Shoshana, right? Who yeah. he's, he's obsessed with. Mm-hmm. And she's like trying to politely say, look, mate, I'm, I'm about to... Bomb. No means no. <laughs> yeah, well, she, we shouldn't say she's... But she's literally about to burn the place down. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But um, she's like, look, mate, come on. I know you're famous, but I've said no about, I don't know, 15 times. What you should have done at that point is say, okay, sorry. But no, he's like, look, you don't say no to me. Like, he's full of his own. Yeah, I, I don't get it. But Yeah, um, you, you go from, like, m- well, it's, it's minuscule levels of sympathy to, oh, what a dick again. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, oh, look, we've already sort of mentioned it there, but that scene, just in terms of talking about this film before we get to the food part, <sighs> It's, I've tried finding out what the idea was behind Tarantino basically offing his, like, his protagonist, like, his, his main character. And, like, because you think her being the Jewish survivor and, like, mm. getting her own back, I mean, she kind of does posthumously as the, the freakishly... Oh, sorry. Posthumously. Posthumously. <laughs> you know, what if, look, hey, I'll say it as I see it. <laughs> but she kind of gets her, her revenge in the sense of being like the giant projector that is like burning and you can see a face in the smoke, which kind of gave me flashbacks to Zordon from the Power Rangers. (laughs) What's with the maniacal laugh as well? But I mean, I I thought, you know what would be really embarrassing is if you did that maniacal laugh and this whole like projector screen going up in flames (laughs) and burning the theatre down didn't work. It'd just be her laughing like some kind of deranged lunatic. (laughs) To be honest, I, and I don't know if you ever picked up on this, because obviously her plan is to film this that little section and sort of fuck over Hitler and everyone that's in the room, like kill them basically, and obviously show that as the last thing that they see. Do we, a, do we a, mention that? We, I mean, again, a little kind of like a 30 seconds of context. At the end of the film, Shoshana, who's at the beginning of the film, who's almost killed by um, um, Hans Lander and all yep. his, um, uh, his Nazi goons, um, she's escaped, right? But she owns a cinema at the end. And what happens is this movie we're talking about, the, uh, this crack shot sniper is in. They have a premiere. All the big shot Nazis are there. Goebbels, Hitler, probably Heinrich and a few others. I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, she's going to lock them in and burn the joint down. Um, and it just, so that's, I just, so you know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, no, I was going to say, like, I'm sort of saying it like I'm expecting people to, I mean, I, I would hope if you're listening to this, you have. But to get the most know. out of this podcast, if anything from it. You should probably have seen the film before. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, we're not holding any anything back on this one, are we? Really? Um, but yeah, it did it, I got vibes of like Zordon from the Power Rangers when that was going on, which was yeah. a bit weird. If anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, you know, the '90s, you know, the original Power Rangers, big grey face in a in plastic tube. <laughs> like, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> never really made much sense. Um, but yeah, I always thought, talk, going back to the film, that she that little section that she does, and I don't know whether this is just me with some in mind, but it would it would have pissed the Nazis off. Would have. Would have. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> this isn't a grammar podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, I'm in one of those moods. Go on. Um, it would have pissed the Nazis off, yeah. If, if um, I thought that they were teeing it up, like, the first time I watched it, I've seen this before, but the first time I watched it, I thought it was teeing it up that her and Marcel were going to do a porno because he's, he's a the projectionist in the uh, the cinema is a, is a black guy and that would have they don't they don't like jewish people and they don't like black people so i thought that that's what it was kind of teeing up and with tarantino's yeah you know you're definitely <laughs> i didn't see any kind of sexual subtext there at all so yeah it's definitely your dv mind i'm just gonna confirm it right there gold stamp that oh no well okay fair enough but i yeah i was just seeing if anyone else got that vibe from the first watch initially but you know apparently not no, no. definitely not. Let's <laughs> move swiftly on. So anyway, speaking of porn, okay. <laughs> uh, so some other random facts for you before we move on. God, how many are there? Like, you, you were you were begging for facts. I feel like you can't was... you can't improve on the last few. But go on. Simon Pegg was originally set to play Lieutenant Archie Hickox or Hick- Hickox Hickox Hickox. Which one is that? Yeah, I don't. Remember. Um, so fast bender. So it was meant oh, to be Simon Pegg. That would be terrible. No. Fassbender's such a stud to well, all. To, to be honest, it, of all the things, I mean, it was a Spielberg film that he pulled out for, but of all the ones he did pull out for, he was forced to pull out of the project for scheduling conflicts with The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn. Oh, he made the right call there, yeah. <laughs> Tintin over this. Good Lord, I've never seen that. I don't even like the cartoon Tintin. 
Um, also, Fassbender. A lot of my facts are Fassbender because I was just... He's, he's an enigma in this film. He's <laughs> brilliant. And you were a massive nerd and he plays Magneto. Well, that as well. Yeah, I thought so. Um, at his audition in Berlin, Fassbender inquired about playing Colonel Hans Lander, to which Tarantino replied, Look, man, any guy that gets cast as Heathcliff is not fucking German enough to play my Lander, all right? Did he say it like that too? Or was, was he, you reckon apparently he was smiling at the time? Or apparently that was verbatim. <laughs> so God knows. I can imagine doing that too. But you, no, I mean, I think it, that was, that's right. I, cu- I couldn't really see Fassbender as, um, you know, because Hans Lander's got that kind of almost kind of weird, he's trying to pretend like he's your friend kind of thing. Uh, you know, when he does the bingo line, that's a bingo. Yeah. Like yeah. That, and it's like, no, you don't, no, you just say bingo. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> So yeah, and no, I don't think Fassbender could have done that. Plus, man, he just he gave the world that amazing. There's a special place in hell for people who <laughs> waste good scotch on boy. Since I, I may be rapping on the door momentarily, he drinks his scotch. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was. I, I almost felt like he was in the room. Jesus, that was. No, that uh, was, that was kind of... just, uh, hang on. Bravo! There's, there's someone just chucking roses from side. I keep thinking I want to give. I want to give a. a, a you said last act, week. A crack, man, but I, maybe I find my level like Brookside or something. They don't even make that anymore. What am I talking about? Holly, Hollyoaks. Emmerdale, get yourself an Emmerdale. I could be a dingle, man. Look at me. I'm hairy enough. Anyway, <laughs> let, let's move on. Jesus, right? Um, is is there anything else in terms of? I mean, we mentioned Pitt's accent, but the one thing that made me absolutely like bolt over was uh, destroyed. Where he really, <laughs> <laughs> he really goes for it, doesn't he? Like I've just put accent. Ha ha ha! Yeah, man. I don't. That's part. Of, it's it's just such a good film. Like it's not supposed to be funny. You look at the subject matter, right? It's it's not funny. Yes, no, it's But not. it's fucking hilarious from start to finish because I don't know how Brad Pitt played that with a straight face. I would have just cracked up at every scene. Well, it's it, a big speech, that first. The first yeah. introduction of him is like a, a big, big speech. Yeah, yeah. Which, my final fact before we move off. So after he did that big speech, as with any actor, allegedly in most of Tarantino's films from like the early 2000s to, to this film, anyone that was on it had to then turn and face the camera at the very end of that scene and go, hello, Sally, um, which was referring to Sally Menke, who was the film's editor. So apparently this practice was done on all of Tarantino's films from Kill Bill, Volume 1 and Volume 2, Death Proof, and then this film. And this was the last time that it ever happened because she, obviously, I would say obviously, but unfortunately she, she passed away. So when they got, an Academy Award nomination. They uh, they thanked her for best editing by mentioning that little anecdote. All right. Was was that so? Was that uh, like a filmmaking device? Or so was that? T- they got to turn of, to kind of like sync the scenes up or something. It, it doesn't really say whether it was that Sounds or whether like it was just like a bit of fun, like yeah. just to say it. But I can can you imagine, for example, Brad Pitt doing that <laughs> entire scene? And then just turning to the camera and just—I mean, he'll have probably said it in the accent as well, knowing him. Yeah, well, you wouldn't break character, would you? I mean, I don't think it, I, I get, people get a lot of grief, don't they? For you know, method actors for staying in character, but it's daft to come out of it because if you're speaking in an accent which is not your own, you don't just kind of suddenly switch that off, do you? You know, and then get no. back into it. So, but yeah, he, he destroyed. Yeah, he, uh, he he gives it full. He goes full ham on that thing. He does. Have you got anything else you want to mention, or shall we go into the scene? Oh, let's. Get, well, I don't know. Is there much to come after the scene? Oh, we just got the one scene, just a struggle. Well, I mean, we've got the one scene. I mean, you, you are, before this podcast, was vehemently trying to tell me that milk is a meal. <laughs> so if you well, want to milk talk is about a goddamn meal, bit. man. If you, if you said to me right now, you're going to eat one, th- consume one thing for the rest of your life, and it will maintain your health, I would probably choose whole milk. Think about it. Fat, carbs, protein, lots of calcium, and he's getting it fresh from some, you know... Moo cows out in the in the, in the <laughs> somewhat sorry <laughs> moo cows out in the backyard. <laughs> it's probably raw milk. You know, there was like a big thing about that. Yeah. Um, so it just in, in in context to that, so we're talking about. I mean, the milk is prevalent like through the film, and it does pop up again in the scene we're about to talk talk about in depth in a second. All right. Well, yeah. ma- maybe we could tangentially discuss milk as part of that scene. So but, let's but you're get talking into about the farmer, the farmer at the beginning. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the farmer. I forget the actor's name. I did actually um, know it for some reason, but I've totally... It's obviously it's a French name because he's French. Well, using the powers that be, the power of the internet, I can find out He right looks a now. little bit like a sad Lieb, Sh- uh, Lieb Schreiber to me. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. 
Hang on. You've got to tell me so it'll remind so me. So he plays to his yeah. Perrier Lapadite and it is Dennis Menoshe. That was it, yeah. Menoshe. Menoshe. Yeah. And with that, shall we move on to <laughs> the strudel scene? Yeah. Fucking love strudel, by the way. Sorry, I interrupted <laughs> you then. It was just me being being a little bit German. <laughs> what was, oh, I want to hear I it now. Fantastic. I was, it was in reference to your uh, yeah from before. You know, you know when I did that GCSE German one of the assessments real quick was you had to do like a tape where you recorded yourself. I did that as well. Actually, on a tape too. Like what the heck? That shows how old we are. But and I I got like a a, a really good. I didn't forget what grade, but I got a good grade. And the teacher specifically said fantastic accent. Yeah, I got something similar. It used to piss me off when people be like, Ich bin, um, <laughs> bin. Steve, or whatever. It's like, Ich bin. Yeah, you've got to do, you've got to get that sort of flowing, haven't you? Like, uh, w- w- same... would we have got caught in the bar? Who knows? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, we, we'd have been sussed. <laughs> Two I... Yorkshire blokes doing <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. We'd, we'd have been... We'd have been shot like two minutes into that cag. <laughs> drinking shot glasses of gravy. Yeah. But as you said, I mean, I've... Look, um, I'm I'm a bit of a finicky food person, which doesn't help when we're doing movie food stuff. I've got my hands on my hips for some reason. No one can see this, but I'm you know I'm leaning in. I've got my hands on my hips. See, this is all for beard. It's just uh, to add something to the pod. Um, I I've never had a strudel before. I, I don't really like apples, what? so I, I'm not an apple pie guy or berries or whatever you have in strudels. I was gonna get one for this, and this would have been my first ever taste of a of a strudel live on podcast but uh yeah all of them you have to like cook beforehand and it just it wasn't happening what we may do i'm I'm springing it on beard now what we may do in the future is we might get some of the foods that we didn't get on the episodes that we've done and we'll have a bit of a food off you're just trying to eat them we'll we'll eat them and we'll sort of debate which is which is the number Ah, one cinematic look we've got to find things to plug gaps because we're gonna run out i I just said it was a good idea and yeah, man, strudel is my... You've got to resist the temptation to go full, full, full Arnold, which creme? I do quite often. Creme? Yeah? Creme? Oh, well, yeah, you've got to have a bit of cream with it. I'd probably have some ice cream. Yeah, well, yeah, that sounds pretty good, actually. I, look, I, I, the more, the, to be honest, saying I've never had it and that I'm not really into it or anything like that for, for what's in it, etc. the scene itself, just before we go into what happens and uh, the context behind it and the hidden meanings and all that kind of crap that we try and spin a yarn from on, on this podcast the actual shot of the the strudel the couple of times you see it the dollop of cream when it goes on all the little sort of like focused in very tarantino-esque shots it looks really fucking delicious it looks really good well it's fucking pastry man like what yeah. would not be good about it and it's in like a a fine dining french establishment yeah but not one of those shit ones like bradley cooper runs this is a good one you know <laughs> Nazi occupied, but it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, apart from that, I mean, the food just looks good, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I I would definitely eat that one. I think it's just the thing that gets me is the the fork and then the you know where it's very daintily pushing the cream on. Yeah, it pissed me off a bit though. Like I just stuck you, my hand yeah. clean in there like a fucking bear, just palmed it straight in my face. <laughs> Saying that, it must have pissed you off when he dumps his cigarette into an unfinished piece of strudel. Yeah, well, smoking just pissed me off in general. So yeah. that yeah, that those two things together. So, do you have anything you want to talk about in this scene? Do you want to explain the scene? You explain the scene. This is your forte, after all. Oh, I, I kind of forget, like, the, the actual specifics. But basically, they're in a little... Is it a cafe? A coffee shop? No, it's more like a restaurant, She's kind of being abducted, but not... It, right, right. It, yeah, I will do it, because go you're going to make Ashley. Yeah, go for right, it. Right, so, Shoshana, who's, like, the... She's the heroine of the film, like, the hero of the film, um, who was almost killed at the beginning by Christoph Waltz when he, was, he did his little Nazi raid, and he was you know, going through a French person's house to find the um, Jews harbored under the, the, the floorboards. She gets out that years later. Um, she, she's doing the cinema work. Uh, she owns the cinema. And uh, it turns out, because this Freddy Zola bloke is constantly pestering her, uh, he says, look, um, Goebbels, we can have the premiere at this cinema because it, although it's not as big as the Ritz or whatever they're going to use, um, it, you know, it sounds... Um, it's more exclusive. Uh, more exclusive. Yeah. That's the way I was going to try and do that in German, but I, I don't know the German <laughs> for it. Um, so anyway, she gets kind of invited to this little soiree, mini soiree thing um, with with Goebbels, right? But then Christoph Waltz, the uh, the, the he's called quote the Jew hunter, right? In the in the film, yeah. Um, he turns up 
obviously she's aged, so it doesn't. Well, I mean, the last time he saw her, she he was never, away. He only saw the back of her head, which yeah. is part of this, I think, as well. Yeah. Uh, plus, I mean, he probably wouldn't have idea because she was like eight or something at the time, right? Or I don't know. Anyway. We're only four years ago. She would have been eight. <laughs> four, were four? All right. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, he doesn't know who she is, right? But she knows who he is. Yep. And uh, she's just kind of sat there. She doesn't want to run the film, right? But obviously she knows about the authority. She of didn't the, want if, to be there. No, yeah, <laughs> but he, she knows that if she, she can't say no, essentially, yeah. if, if, you know, Adolf and his... Comply or die. Yeah. Do you just want to say comply or die? It sounded cool in my head. <laughs> <laughs> say carry on. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the scene. And as part of that scene, it's a, a, another kind of um, menacing performance by uh, Christoph Waltz, right? As he, he kind of orders this strudel, to uh to make out like he's you know he's a nice bloke, um. Meanwhile, you know, intimidating her, um, and and letting her know that for some reason the uh, uh, her mate who's um who, who's black is a black man. Yeah, Marcel. Yep. Yeah, he, he cannot um he will not be allowed to operate the projector for some reason. She has to do it, even though she's not a projection projectionist. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. That's Nazi logic for you, I suppose. Well, he even says, doesn't he, that even if he's the most proficient person at the job or whatever, we still don't want him doing it or whatever. Yeah. But that's, yeah. That, Fucking and, Nazis. And scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where the scene ends. And as, as mentioned uh, momentarily, um, he, he then ends that scene by dumping a cigarette in it and then she has a bit of a big cry, which I think will give a lot away if uh, she, she literally bursts into tears as soon as he leaves yeah, but the he's, room. he's gone by then. He's yeah. long gone. As long as there's no Nazis, like, lurking, but obviously... I'd, clearly... I'd, if that were me, I'd have been, like, fucking fish, <laughs> fishing the cigarette out, like, he's not finished his strudel. <laughs> well, this is where we go into some online debate around this scene and whether oh, right, he did okay. or didn't know something up. Now... I think he did, from what it, I got. There's a bit, because at the very end of this film, without giving away the entire ending, he doesn't like being given the nickname of the Jew Hunter. He sees off as a detective. He, he's good at his job, he's a detective. That is, that in his head, as a, as a Nazi sort of <clears throat> SS Jew Hunter, that he just sees himself as a detective. He thinks he's excellent at his job and he, he does lots of... It's like when we were talking about the Italian bit earlier, there's lots of subtle sort of like he, he knows and he pulls Fred to, to sort of draw people out. It's very clever. In this scene, there's a few things that sort of have triggered that as the online debate. So the first one, the one we were just mentioning um, from another scene that comes back to this, the glass of milk. Yeah. The odds are a glass of milk. He also tells her just randomly for no particular reason, which it, it kind of falls in with logic of the time that if you've been questioned by a high-ranking like nazi officer you probably are going to be nervous especially if you're in you know you're a french person in occupied france mm. but he, he picks up on her anxiety her anxiety is obviously not just because of what i've just mentioned but it's because he killed her entire family and mm. she knows who he is yeah so he, he then after that turning point he does start going down almost the detective route like the very end of this scene he goes i did have something else and he leaves her and he, he he's clearly from from looking into this scene more it feels like he's trying to draw something out he doesn't know it's her and he doesn't know that she's anyone significant but this is just his job everyone that he mm. speaks to tries to trip him up mm. because and, and, and after thinking about it, it he does like if you go through that scene like beat for beat and then the other sort of twisted idea behind this strudel scene which is probably partially tarantino's doing is the choice of food that he picks is symbolic because again it's almost like another psychological game that he's playing with her because obviously milk is um oh sorry not milk cream is not kosher it's not something that they can sort of have but also the the lard the fat the pork lard that would have been traditionally used at the time to make the strudel wouldn't be allowed to be and if you if you were jewish you know by jewish dietary laws so he's, he's picked that and then when she tries to eat the strudel before the cream he's then stopping and obviously in that scene you see her cut it up put everything on the fork and eat it so there is that level of detail that you know he doesn't necessarily know that that's the girl that got away but he's trying to out whether she might be jewish or not just yeah, because he's here, doing here here endeth the film fellow's dissertation. That was a, that was a deep dive about fucking strudel, man. Come on, um, yeah, probably. I, I'll give you a yeah. Like, ping. You're probably right. Hey, this is the big the big 
food scene, we've got to talk about what that that's kind of like the internet's sort of take on yeah, that scene. Yeah, totally. I can see it. Yeah, but I don't. I, 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 I it wasn't like a major theme. I, I was just thinking about strudel the whole time. It was <laughs> strudel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, other things that I took away from it that's not to do with like that in-depth sort of film essay that I just gave. Um, the whole politeness. He's so sinister and gives such a sinister, villainous sort of portrayal all the way through the film because of just how fucking polite he is all the way through. Yeah, yeah, no, like, he's, yeah. That's that's. I get the feeling that's probably what won him the part because he, he it's it's not your traditional villain. He's not just a straight, you know. Not, I'm a bad bloke. Maniacally laughing and he does he does it, one one part during the does, Italian bit, but other than that, he does a lot of kind of maniacal shit. But like, yeah, he he kind of comes across as almost kind of um, what superficially friendly, right? And he'll yeah. see, you know, he's very he's he, he, when in the the opening scene. When he goes into uh, Monsieur Le Petit's um, little shack, he's he's like, "May I smoke my pipe?" You know. When can, when can he, we speak English? Yeah, yeah. Right he could he could well just he's that's right. He's wearing his big daft trench coat. He could just be like, "Look, I'm smoking my pipe, bitch." <laughs> and by the way, he does whip out the most ludicrous pipe I've ever seen in my life. It's like the kind of thing you would. It's like the horn of Gondor. That shit, man. You see the size <laughs> yeah. of it, man. It looks like a toilet seat. <laughs> yeah, it does a little bit, yeah. Like a big gold one. I actually thought when I first watched this, because you know by that point that they're under the floorboards, that the smoking was to try and make someone cough. Like I thought it was maybe like smoking about oh, yeah, like it's, cleverly, it's... which it could still be. Like like I've just said, the whole breakdown of the whole strudel thing, it could be in part that he's trying this... to do that before the... What's he smoking dry ice? <laughs> if he smoke, it's going to go upwards, isn't it? What the... Yeah, I don't know. It's just blowing it. He's going to blow it downwards. Um... Yeah, I don't think he'll be blowing the smoke downwards, would he? It's just that initial, when you first watch a film and you try to figure out what the hell's going on the first time, which was like, what, probably seven years ago for me or whatever when I watched this film. I watched it when it came out. Did you? Straight away, yeah. Weirdly, I don't know why. I'm not a massive Tarantino fan. I I don't think I had the Tarantino, like, not bug, but like, I just did, like, there was a point... Might have been actually when we first like met each other around that time when I was like got my, my first first job and all that kind of stuff that I uh, I went down that route <laughs> of just watching you know stuff on like Netflix and stuff and I think I went down the route of watching like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, mm. this. I mean, I I, I I love Tar- a lot of Tarantino movies. I just, I would never describe myself as a Tarantino. I wouldn't get, like for example the what did we just mention the one before the one that I said was terrible. Hitful Eight. Eight. Yeah, Hitful Eight. That was fucking... I say it's a bad film because he's a great filmmaker. But, yeah, um, I found it a bit dull I, compared I, to the I, I, You always know that they're going to be really good films driven by great dialogue. So if you're into films, then you know, you're know you going to like them. But I'm not like... I don't walk around with a Quentin Tarantino t-shirt on and shit. You know? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned his entrance as well in this scene because obviously she's talking to Goebbels and Zola beforehand. How epically badass and terrifying i mean it's not terrifying in the conventional sense that i wasn't scared but giving the fear of shazana's like being sat there and someone coming behind her and then that pulsating sort of like i don't even know what it is like it's a panicky pulsating sort of drumbeat kind of thing when he just appears and it's mm. like all epic it gets louder and it crescendos and this crazy loudness and then it flashbacks to her running away and hearing him say, um, did he say Alvida saying? Or no. Au revoir. Au revoir, yeah. He's, au revoir and sort of... Like Eric Cantona. Apparently, that bit, <laughs> some people were confused by him letting her go. Mm. Uh, uh, there was like, this film is like two and a half hours, two hours, 40 long or whatever. Mm. The original is obviously, because it's Tarantino, it was like three and a half hours long that they had to like edit down. Shit. There was a full thing about him explaining why he lets her go after that. And that he basically doesn't think she'll survive the night, like ah, by getting right? out. So, and then obviously it jumps forward to her on in the cinema and all that kind of stuff. So, that that flashback, I, I was looking up, you know, that stuff to do with the film today, and yeah, that that is something that people were confused about. But Tarantino said, yeah, we had a whole bit explaining why he doesn't like shoot her, why he doesn't try and go after her. You know, a couple of things on that first. Really, always pisses me off in films when when people are trying to run away from somebody and they run zigzag, a, man. They run in a straight line. I've never seen anyone zigzag in a movie. Is Apocalypto? Remember yeah. that when he's got that? Well, they don't have a gun, but he's, they're, they're like uh, throwing spears. Yeah. And the guy's he's sussed it right because he's Jaguar Paw is yeah. the character. Man, there's no food in that film, right? 
because we can't really do it. But anyway, yeah, there's exactly. I think, why would you run a dude's. He's only got like a little handgun. He's going to have to be a crack shot to hit up from that distance anyway. I don't think he'd reach that distance either. That was the bit that was getting me, and then obviously he doesn't do it. In yeah, the anyway, end. what I was going to say is, I kind of an allusion to um, the fact that he's not really. It's in the end. I'm spoiling it. Um, <laughs> he's not really. He's ultra advanced in the ranks of whatever he does for the. The, the reprehensible National Socialist Party of Germany. Um, he's not really a dat easy because at the end, what he wants to be known as the guy that brought the or in part brought the Nazi Party down. Yeah, so he, I thought it was kind of like uh, that first thing. I'm always thinking like he's letting her go because he's thinking, ah, I've done my job, right? Let's let her go. And then I kind of thought I, I had that theme kind of running through my head the whole time, thinking, what well, is he just kind of letting her? Go because maybe he's taking a bit of a shine to her, and I thought maybe like when he sees her again for the strudel, maybe he does know actually that it's her. Um, and he's yeah, he's kind of like he's, he's for whatever reason doesn't want to kill her, and that's like one percent of some humanity left, possibly. Like, it's hard, to tell. I don't think we'll ever know. I think that the great thing about like, look, we've we've picked a podcast to do together about food. And cinema scenes, some of them are going to be daft, some of them are going to be really short, some of them are going to be, you know, some of them we're going to have a, a laugh about. This this particular still wait, scene... Still waiting for the short ones. Still waiting for the short ones. <laughs> <laughs> this particular scene is done by a great director. It's a good five, six minutes long, and in it, it can be taken in so many different ways. It's almost like Tarantino tees it up in that sense that... He orders the glass of milk. It could be just because it goes really well with Strudel and because she's a girl and he don't want her to drink alcohol or coffee or whatever and he's, he's asserting some sort of dominance over her because he's a Nazi. Just loves milk. <laughs> he really does love milk. Or it could be that he does know who she is or it, you know, it could be a psychological that he doesn't know who she is but like I was mentioning before, maybe just trying to see, is this girl a Jew? Is this girl, like, I'm just going to hunt everybody that comes in front of me because that's my job. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. It's so open-ended, and that's what I think makes it such a good scene, other than the the obvious stuff. The obvious shit with this scene is that it's super tense. It's protagonist versus antagonist. There's all that behind it, but the, the different ways, how you've just approached it, how I've sort of researched it, the way that I felt when I watched it, that shows a good director. Like to, oh yeah, to, well I mean it's, it's not, it's that's not for the debate, scene, is it? But it's yeah, well no, obviously not. But that's what I mean. It just shows that there's that. Does you, know. it, you can contrast this with the uh, burnt from last week. <laughs> there's very little artistic directing going on. We didn't talk about any of this in that film. It was just that guy's a dick. <laughs> that was about it. So, By the way, on on the subject of massive dicks, um, <laughs> God, where's this going? <laughs> how good is the bloke that plays Hitler in this? The yeah, he's actually. Is is next level. He is so yeah. good, man. He's, yeah. he's better than the guy in, the da- in Downfall, I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the obviously the Downfall, the, the sort of like meltdown scene of Hitler is is iconic. But yeah, it's a bit of a meme. But yeah, I I do think that that guy plays it really well. Um, I, obviously, side note, we've kind of done with the Strudel scene now, I guess, unless you had all else to say. No, no, I just I, I wanted to not. I did not want this podcast to uh, to to sail me by without <laughs> saying, you know what, the dude, I don't know his name, but the guy that plays. Adolf Hitler does a fantastic. Should we find out? Because I feel like we we'd be doing him a disservice because you can't say that someone is that good and then not. He do, he's got he's definitely been studying those tapes, man. When he was doing the Martin Wutke, yeah, spelled W U double T K E. Oh, he's German then, yeah. Yes, that makes sense. But um, yeah, yeah, he he was he was great. The actor was great, not Hitler, obviously. He was not great. The guy, the guy who played uh, one, one of the things that I looked up earlier, the guy who played Till Schweiger, sorry, Till Schweiger, who played he plays, Sergeant uh, Hugo Stiglitz. 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 Yeah. Stiglitz. Yeah. Uh, it was just like, uh, it was a Nazi, but then didn't like it at all. So just killed 13 SS officers or something like that. Took him down from the inside. Yeah. He, um, the actor being, as we were mentioning before, there's a lot of German actors in this that we've we've never seen since or before, or obviously in German films and German TV. He had said at the start of his career, we'll never wear a Nazi uniform because he embarrassed him, like obviously mm, as yeah. a lot of German people are, until Tarantino turned around and says, in every scene that you've got this, you will stab Nazis to death wearing the Nazi costume. And he's like, yeah, fine, all right. And uh, also, here's a big bag of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too i'm guessing but he also um, i've got a fun fact go he did the he played hercules 
well, he didn't play Hercules, but the D- Disney's Hercules, um, he did the voiceover for the German version. Of, he was the part of Hercules. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't uh, check you out pulling a fact out yeah, of that. That could be totally made up. You've got no ways of checking it, but no, it's, no, it's true. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know there was a German dub of... Uh, I hate dubs, man. I, I watch movies with... Uh, I don't like dubs, so I, if I watch a film that's you know a foreign movie, I watch it with subtitles. So, some, some more facts about dubs then. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously. So Daniel Brühl, we mentioned last week, you couldn't remember what his nationality was. He's Spanish-German. Yeah. So the Spanish dub of this film, for his own character, he did the Spanish dub of himself. That's cool. And um, so did in the, in the German. Obviously, I'm guessing most of the cast that were German did it, but it was one of the facts that I found is that Christopher Waltz did his character's German dub as well. Makes sense. Um, which which Saves makes sense. Costs. And uh, yeah, Brad, Brad Pitt did <laughs> destroy. <laughs> just yeah, he just did his did his American for his American. Yeah, um, could have done with subtitles. I or feel like, like this CGI his chin to make it bigger in this movie too. Like how big is it? I feel like he's sticking his chin out the whole time. <laughs> he's also also we didn't really mention it's not really food, but I feel like we've had a conversation before about snuff. You know, like the, the sniffing stuff. So yeah, he loves the snuff. Did you mention that your granddad did that? Was that, either, oh, my, that was either off a podcast or on a podcast? I think it was off it? a podcast. Um, but yeah, my granddad loved snuff. <laughs> He'd be sniffing it all day. Like, oh, you told me it was snuff. It could have been anything. It could have been <laughs> on some class A for all I know. Oh, does that mean that we have to make the podcast like 18 or uh, I made a drug reference? I, I don't there know goes if... that Spotify exclusive deal. <laughs> oh. Hell, with some of the people that have got Spotify exclusive deals, I don't think we're, you know, <laughs> in any danger. Yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan talks about it all the time, right? All they talk about in that podcast is drugs. <laughs> Keep talking about psilocybin every... I don't even... I've not listened to that many episodes, but I've, maybe like at least nine look talking you, about all kinds of shit. you burning our bridges to ever be on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that bridge was ever... That's like the bridge to fucking Terabithia, that, man. That was never available to us. <laughs> Look, you've got to have a dream. <laughs> I'm taking a lot of advantage this week of the uh, the fact that we're allowed to swear. I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. <laughs> this is this is basically your one, one part of the week where, I mean, unfortunately, if I could get you on a day where you were eating crap, we could eat some more crap that's related to the films that we're watching. But also, you just, you just get to be, you know... A little bit leery, a little bit leery. Yeah, well, I'm family friendly, right? So I don't often. I mean, I don't swear much like day to day. I mean, maybe I do. I don't know. It's hard to be objective about it. But on this on this podcast, it's it's a nice release. Speaking of speaking of nice releases, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not nice releases. Speaking of uh, you know, um, I try to think now. Adult content in the sense, not not sexual. Before you go there, let me out of this room. We were talking about at the very beginning of this podcast, and I mentioned we'd come back to it, and we never did. And we mentioned this is a revisionist film. Tarantino likes his revisionist stuff. If you've seen, I won't mention what happens, but if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it all kind of happily goes along, and is quite entertaining and fun and interesting, and spaghetti westerns, and ooh, Brad Pitt, and all all that. And in the very end, he changes a key point in in you know, American Hollywood history. No, we'll say no more. He also has done it um, in, in other films as well. But in, in this particular film, he obviously changes the whole ending of World War Two. Like, obviously, mm. none of this actually happened. Just in case you were listening to this podcast for historical reference, <laughs> that Hitler didn't burn to death in a French cinema. Oh, did he? <laughs> well, 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 he might have had one ball. Did he burn in again? <laughs> here we go. But what I'm, what I'm getting at here is Tarantino, a lot of his films are um, allegedly, and I think he started to allow this now, like he, he's on board with it. They're all connected. Um, I'm guessing you've heard this as well, yeah? In some capacity? No, no I've not right. heard this. Well, well they're um, just like part of a Tarantino alternate universe. Well, the, the, the burgers, so the Pulp Fiction... Oh, we talked about that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so Pulp Fiction's burgers are in other films, um, yeah. which is a very small connection, but it's it's there. Obviously, you've got then Vincent Vega being related to... Um, well, I can't forget which one it is now from Reservoir Dogs, but he's, he's, there's a relation there as well. They're all connected in that way. Apparently, Kill Bill as the volume one and volume two, the reason it's so stupidly hyper-violent is because it's a film set within this universe. So just as these people burned to death watching Zola's movie, 
Kill Bill is, you know, if one of the Pulp Fiction characters was still alive by the end of that film and wished to go see a film in the early 2000s, they would have, in their universe, gone and seen Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2. Um, so that's set in there. The reason that that film is also so hyper-violent, according to this Tarantino-verse, as we'll call it, is that this version of history was much more... Obviously, our version of history in World War II was very violent as well, but this is, like, hyper-violent, sadistic awful like i think you could argue that most of what what the yeah, nazi well, party yeah, was, yeah, was also yeah, that yeah but i mean this and obviously what happens at the end of uh, once upon a time in hollywood for example as well um, and yeah. django unchained as well again is, is supposed to be a historical film set within the tarantino universe even though it's yeah. not again super hyper violent all super hyper violent super hyper violent like a street fight again that's super hyper street fighter 2 turbo <laughs> I'd play that. Um, but yes, because they're so violent, it's created a violent sort of... I get what you're saying. America you're in Tarantino's to, yeah. universe. Because these things existed. The, the, yeah, yeah, it's like a self-perpetuating thing. Yes. I get it. I get it. Yes. So that was what... I mentioned it right at the beginning of the podcast, and now I mentioned it right at the end. So Did you know you about that? I'm so Are glad you, you came back and me- Yeah, I'm so <laughs> glad you mentioned that a second time. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about strudel for another 10 minutes? Is there any other food that you think were in there? Do you well, want to class whiskey as a type of food? Do you well, want... I mean, it is... Uh, it's calorific. It's so alcohol, right? Alcohol, seven, uh, seven calories per gram. The fourth macronutrient, as it's often known. Here he goes. Well, actually, not, not very well known, but um, I'm, I'm a little bit um, sad that we skipped the milk. Um, we didn't skip the milk. We talked a lot about milk. What else do you want to talk about milk? Skimped, Come on, look, I'm not having you. I, I'd slam this table if it wants so... <laughs> Sort of it's a bit soft flimsy. and yeah, gentle, but what 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 do you want to talk about, milk? No, I, th- I thought we just would have made a big deal of that scene, <laughs> but um, we probably made a big as big of a deal as we need to have all the scenes in this film. Um, yeah, it was a, another one. I feel like we got a token mention. It kind of nicked from Babish. We mentioned him in every uh, everything that we do is nicked by Babish. It's <laughs> <laughs> nicked from Babish. We don't. He doesn't nick our stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was a great film and. Um, yeah, the, the strudel looked good. I really want to do, like, I don't know if I could maybe do a giant strudel. I'm not sure how appealing that would be to people. I certainly haven't ever seen anyone eat. I could probably do the most strudel ever eaten. It's not really Go a... Go for it. You can get, you, they're quite, they're, they're like eight people strudels, the ones that you <laughs> were from the... Yeah, well, I know, it's, it's, it's a one, it's a half a beard. Half, half a beard, eight people, eight normal people or half a beard. It's probably for one of those. So I, I'd watch that. Where do you get these giant strudels? You, you speak supermarket, of? but you have to cook them, which is why I haven't brought a strudel with us. So I'm sorry, listeners, that we're expecting us I've to... I've got a giant fucking oven right just out there. Oh, yeah, good point. Shit. <laughs> I know there's a giant mic. It's like an you industrial could, microwave. Live on air. Could, like, like, I said live on air thing. like this is a radio station, but, you know, live from Tuesday, when you listen to this on Friday, you could have listened to Beard cooking a microwave oven strudel. Yeah. Could have been. In the corner. But yeah, we will, I think, the idea of anything that we've done where we couldn't get hold of the food, we'll find a day when Beard can eat. And to, to fill a week, <laughs> if we're struggling, we'll have a we'll have a food battle. We could either have just two items from two different films or we could get a... Oh, you mean like it's table. a battle between two foodstuffs, not like between you and me? I'm not going to like bash you to death with a piece of strudel. Like. Oh, right. <laughs> I, no, I was thinking that you were going to try and eat like equal amounts to me or something like that well that that would also kill me (laughs) no i'm suggesting more like you know the strudel versus gobstoppers or something like that although we were not going back there because you nearly lost your teeth (laughs) yeah that's uh that's that would be neat that'd be over Uh, maybe hawaiian we'll we'll have the jollybee hawaiian burger standing in the pulp fiction versus uh oh yeah yeah. bastards we could have the pineapple Mm. burger versus the strudel yeah I get it, yeah. I like the idea. Should we go to the outro then? <laughs> Let's go to the outro. So I just, I'm just, I just put an awkward silence in there hoping that I'd make beard break and just start giggling uncontrollably, but he didn't. He just looked at me like, what are you doing, you idiot? <laughs> no, you, I, can't, I, I can't. I'm not the kind of man that can be intimidated. <laughs> Even though there's like some, uh, some weird detective like downlighting going on in this room. It's not intentional. It does feel like uh, where, where we record this in Beard HQ, he's got like a window. It feels like we're kind of in an interrogation it room. Does look, it, from this angle, to me, it does almost With look like a two-way off mirror. With the lights off from the other side, it's like a two-way mirror. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I do feel like at any moment someone's going to just walk into the door and go, right! <laughs> like that scene from True Lies. That's what I always think of True Lies when I think of a two-way mirror. You know, where they're interrogating the Jamie Lee Curtis. If you tell me you've not seen True Lies, I'm going to flip this fucking table, man. Has it got food in it? <laughs> oh, it does, actually. But I, I haven't forgotten that we're doing a, 
at the very least, uh, jingle all the way come Christmas time. We've got Which plenty point of it will be films. absolutely freezing in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pull a bear grills and like kill, kill a, a yak outside and like, <laughs> skin it, coming in the husk of this yak. <laughs> all, those, all those yaks in Yorkshire, yeah. Well, God, the, we're going to be the right the, tangent here, aren't we? But pe- people know that we're in Yorkshire now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, because the, your YouTube channel never gave that away. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that is that is episode eight, man. Episode eight, two weeks on trot as well. On Doing pretty trot. well. On yeah, trot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It's, it felt like. I, no, it felt like a bit of a. I, I think we rambled a bit too much this week, but. I just, I crack myself up doing that Michael Fassbender thing. <laughs> I'm going to be listening back to that. I actually did want to, I've got loads of Scotch whiskey at home, but obviously I've, I've got, we've both got to drive to get here. And you, with you not actually eating most of the day, I didn't want to get you too pissed oh, up mate, on I, you. I mean, I your Tesla the, could have probably drove you home. It could have, but you don't want to take that chance. I, I was in Liverpool the other day and I got absolutely chinned. Like, not actually physically chinned. I, I just got drunk because... um. Well, Mrs. B was buying me some cocktails. She very rarely buys me anything. And she just kind of put this cocktail menu in front. She's like, keep getting stuff. I got this thing called the penicillin, which, I mean, it was intense. was no good for you then, no. No, no. I think <laughs> they just called it that because it, it tastes just like, it was so pungent. It tasted like medicinal, you know. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was pretty drunk. So, I, it'll be a while before I go near alcohol again. I'm not a big drinker. That's a good job I didn't bring any of my fancy scotch with me. <laughs> Johnny Walker or something. I haven't got any 33-year-old scotch that he pulls out, but I've got, I think I did have some 20 somewhere. Big shot. Yeah, I, I, I like my scotch. Anyway, if you too like us, can I <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast is sponsored by Glenn Morandry. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say, though, is that if you would like to listen to us elsewhere, or you're sat in the car and for some reason your friend has been a total dick and is just playing this random podcast while you're wanting to have a conversation with them, but they've just decided they're going to play this, and you too want to listen to this podcast, because for, for the life of me, I don't understand why you have to say this at the end of a podcast, but everyone else does, so I am going to do it as well. We are available wherever you get your podcasts from. Your favourite podcast provider may even have us, so go check us out, Movie Mouthful's podcast. How many are there, podcast providers? too many it's a it's very very difficult when you first start in these to get you uploaded to all of them but we are now on (laughs) all podcast providers i do believe um so if you want to subscribe to us if you want to follow if you're on apple Podcasts and want to give us a five star review that's five not four not two not one i'll take a three or four come on man uh, what just 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 make us not seem two <laughs> well i mean i don't want to i don't want a two or a, i don't want a one really but i mean i'll take a three my life if you could condense my life into a, a, a vote out of five and not a rating out of five it would probably be a three wow <laughs> <laughs> wow high bars set there by beard um yeah if you want to give us a review preferably a five ignore him um, Apple Podcast is the place to do that and that will hopefully push us in front of new people that have never heard of us. I mean, I, I don't know, everyone seems to have heard of Beard, but no one's heard of me. So <laughs> still but yeah, but not still not many people have listened to this podcast. That's not a bad thing though. I mean it's good to have like a cult status. Yeah, it's exclusive as a podcast. That's how you need to think of it for now. It's an <laughs> exclusive club. <laughs> Just like the smaller cinema in this film, hey, look, callback. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can find us over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Movie Mouthfuls. You can find myself over on Twitter at TheFilmFella underscore. You can also find me on YouTube, The Film Fella. Again, I haven't done anything for a while. I will at some point. Beard won't say it, but just search for Beard Meets Food or Food Meets Beard or yeah, meat, no, meat Food Beard or whatever you want to search any, for. Any, any uh, uh, combination of those three words and you should maybe find him or you might just find lots of pictures of men with food stuck in the beards on Could equally Google. Find that. yeah it's possible um, i think it just goes to my wikipedia i think if you search me not that i search myself very often but if you do i think it comes up like youtube channel wikipedia page look at him breaking down his seo and then uh i don't know what well, i know what it means but i don't spend any time working on it and uh then facebook page then probably a couple of crap articles from like the daily mail talking about some shit that i've eaten and then the comments section complaining about how much food he wears, even though he doesn't because he eats it all. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, if you fancy sending us any questions, um, if, if, you, if you want to ask him something about that, or preferably you want to ask us something about films and food, then you can email us or you can tweet us, but you can email us at moviemouthfuls at gmail.com. Still waiting for that first first email. You know, Ooh, someone... emails are, man. Just uh, tweet us, man. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm actively encouraging this. I would, I would love to hear from people. Yeah, we, we want to... 
you know, we've I just reached... want to make sure that these, the, the Jordan's telling me there's like 60 unique listeners, and I'm just thinking it's maybe like his. He's just got a really large family, <laughs> all of which I've been forced at gunpoint. No to one watch that I actually listen. know listens to this. So. No. <laughs> Sorry, my mum doesn't watch my videos either. So I know how you feel. <laughs> I cry every time. Anyway, um, if you want to support us, head over to our Patreon. No. <laughs> patreon.com slash movie mouthfuls I might just start making that into a sound effect that plays before you actually do it um, yeah it makes beard cringe every time but if if you want to support it look if, if someone was to donate just one pound I could have gone and bought that strudel and put it in the oven <laughs> you could have bought the strudel anyway I could have bought the strudel anyway yeah, like I'm, yeah I'm being daft but if you want to support the podcast for any other reason then you can do, but you don't have to. Big thanks to Lee for all the music, as always, and also happy birthday for, um, I believe it was yesterday. It might have been today. All my days have blended into one, but happy birthday, Lee. Oh, Lee, is it your birthday? It yeah, probably I mean, isn't when he listens to this, or if he ever does listen to this, but... <laughs> probably not. He listens for his little jingles. <laughs> Skips for each jingle. I hope he's, he's rocking out, um, you know, playing guitar and eating birthday cake. Yeah. Strudel. I don't know him, so like I'm just trying. To, the only things I know about him are that he plays guitar, and it's his birthday, as you've now told me. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be back very soon. Um, if again, if people want to suggest films for us, we've, we've already had one suggestion. He sent he sent a bunch of suggestions actually, but if anyone else wants to get involved, you can do. If not, I'll continue to just drop into Adam's DMs and <laughs> tell him what film we're watching. Um, but until next time. Remember, not to be a fascist, otherwise some bloke will come and bash your head in with a baseball bat. That was mine, by the way. I, I, that was my, 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 I came up with that end line. All right, all right. You've just, <laughs> geez, geez, what are you doing? Put that baseball bat down. <laughs> in a bit. Peace. Hi, I'm Dietrich. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. We're from the podcast That Song From That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. We want you to join us on our voyage across the cinematic sound waves as we take a deep dive on a new song and movie each week to figure out just what makes them tick. Already we've set sail with Celine Dion on the Titanic, found a friend in Toy Story, and gotten drenched out in the rain with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hopefully each breakdown allows us to answer the ultimate question of what's better, the movie or the song. Or at least learn something new along the way. Just like learning that Toy Story 4 is a meaningless cash grab without a soul. You can subscribe right now on all good podcast platforms. If you use one of the bad ones, then that's on you, and we can't be held responsible. Subscribe to That Song from That Movie.